Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Cat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 233. Are you secretly a badass? This week we're discussing season 4, episode 19 of Angel, The Magic Bullet, in series 10, episode 6 of Doctor Who, Extremis. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. All right, starting with the magic bullet, um, which I immediately have to reference the magic loogie from Seinfeld um, because that's who I am and I can't, uh, I can't escape it. And so I kind of had a, you know, this isn't the cleverest thing in the world, but I kind of had a suspicion that we would be getting some JFK references um, in this episode. Um, just because that, for me, that scene in Seinfeld is so memorable. But like for normal people, the magic bullet is a pretty well-known sort of conspiracy theory and everything. Um, so anyway, we're not going to quite get into the magic bullet stuff just yet. Um, but I wanted to start with setting the situation in the scene with Jasmine and the hotel um, and showing, we kind of saw at the end of the last episode that she was increasing her following through media exposure. Um, not that that's at all relevant to modern day, <laughs> how people like you know, uh, find celebrities to sort of follow mm. and get, you know, kind of cultish about. Um, sure. So I guess it's kind of, we see now that like all these people are flocking to the hotel and they're even like staying at the hotel. Like Lauren mm -hmm. is renting out spare rooms and they're kind of running out of space. Um, they're hosting like sort of like, speakeasy like open mic <laughs> nights and everything um for this kind of yeah it's sort of half a, a lorne type club and half a kind of commune or almost like religious cult um you know with services where they can kind of give their testimonials um in the form of song or you know, chant or like, you know, stories or kind of whatever artistic expression it, you know, the, as the sure. spirit moves Or just them. standing up there and crying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, or the kid who like reads his essay, like his very, you know, well-written, like, why I love Jasmine, you know, by, right. you know. She makes food taste better. <laughs> yeah. Um, so an opinion piece yeah <laughs> yep um so i mean and some of that is pretty funny like finding different ways for people to be kind of obsessive about jasmine and showing kind of how that obsession manifests itself um and and i, I, yes. I do wonder i do wonder with the um with the title of the magic bullet um which is referenced in the episode, but it's kind of interesting that that's sort of what they choose to sort of title. Um, and this idea of 
conspiracy theory and a, an obsession and um, kind of fringe belief and all that stuff. When you kind of put that together with the cult commune that seems to have developed around Jasmine, um, you know, I don't know that it's a hugely deep social commentary or anything, but it's like, it does seem that there's some sort of metaphor going on here of, um, I don't know if it's, I don't know that it's necessarily skewering all belief or even all religious belief necessarily, but certainly certain kinds of kind of slavish devotion that are sort of, um, I don't know. I don't know what qualifiers to use to say like what exactly is being satirized here. Um, but now there's definitely, uh, for anyone who may have, you know, been involved in, you know, church or whatever, um, or <laughs> still possibly as there's definitely sort of a, like a testimonial time kind of vibe to yeah. this. Like, yeah. um, I know certainly in churches I went to when growing up, it wasn't necessarily people getting up in front of everyone else, like the open mic sort of idea, but like definitely people like standing up in the, I almost said audience, but like the congregation. Right. And like, just sort of like saying how they feel about God and like, you know, how they feel that they've been blessed by God, like during the week. So like, yeah. that's what it always makes me think of is those types of like, and those were more like, I seem to remember more of those happening. Um, they're not like the Sunday morning service, right? Like where like, you might have like newer people or, or like the, the less devout perhaps. Um, these were definitely like the nighttime services where like, or like the midweek services where it's going to be like the people who like go to everything that the church offers and who are like, have that, you know, closer relationship to God yeah, sort of thing than, than like maybe the, the average, uh, you know, person who might just walk through the door or might be more casual yeah I, I see what you mean although I I have memories of that sort of thing happening during mainstream Sunday service I, um I don't mean to imply yeah. that it never happened yeah, yeah. in in sort of like the the regular Sunday morning like yeah everyone go to church yeah. it definitely did right but I feel like those it was more special occasion whereas like the Sunday night, I mean, so my parents were pastors, so I had to go to everything mm -hmm. anyway. And I just remember to me it, that like that, that sort of thing definitely feels like a Sunday evening or like a Wednesday evening prayer service mm -hmm. type thing where you get the people like, there's maybe only 10 people there, but they all get up and say something yeah, like, right. You know, well, um, and, and, and I, you know, we're getting into our, evangelical childhoods here but um i associate it too with um with missions with like going um specifically to witness and to you know go, do something outreach based or evangelize or whatever where like on the one hand you would you would think it would align more with that thing of what you're saying of 
we're trying to not scare away the newcomers. So we maybe would want to be a little more restrained in how we sort of express ourselves. But at the same time, I feel like I remember like those sorts of things. It was more about like everybody get your testimonial ready and kind of one after the other, you're going to sort of give up, get up and give a short sort of, you know, um, speech about um, your, your, your journey, you know, your, your spiritual kind of life thus far or whatever. Um, And so I guess that's, I guess, I mean, and I think that's in keeping with, with this little um, community that they have here of it's partially about, it's partially celebratory of let's find expression for this joy that we have, that we found and how we can sort of articulate it. But also there's, it's partly sort of evangelistic and outreach based of how can we communicate to new people who might be in the audience, like, you know, or the congregation, what, what the joy of Jasmine is and everything. I, I don't quite agree with that last part, just because I feel like, this is definitely everyone here is converted. Sure, sure. I, I, in the hotel, like I feel like this is definitely like everyone in the hotel is is made up of the congregation or whatever you want to call it is made up of people who have seen Jasmine and are there for her. Maybe not yeah. directly, like. Um, you kind of get like the anecdote of the guy trying to like give up the keys to his house just to like be able to stay at the hotel and whatever. And like, you get the sense that he, he hasn't seen Jasmine in the flesh yet, but definitely saw her on TV or whatever. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, that's the only reason why I feel like it's more like a service like that, rather than maybe the more evangelical, the more, um, uh, 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 yeah, like going out and evangelizing, like you were talking about. Um, because I mean, yeah. So we we don't need to get any more deep into my own like, <laughs> evangelical background and whatever, which um, you know, and 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 what I might or might not believe at this point. But that's just why it made me think more of like that type of like. Sunday night or or Wednesday night like prayer service or something like that where it was like the devout the converted you know yeah. you're not there you're not necessarily trying to convert people you're you're preaching to the you're choir. there like yeah. reinforcing what everyone else there already believes mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. um yeah and um you know I think the other conspiracy theory side of it with the bookstore kind of lends this a sort of cultish feel but um mm-hmm. you know there's certainly aspects of overlap let's say between certain expressions of religion and things that people might think of and i'm not even say i'm not saying that you know religion is and cult are, are the same thing um but like I don't know. That's what I heard, Kat. I don't know. There's definitely, certainly, like, <laughs> the kind of, the, the specifically kind of American evangelical Christian form of, mm-hmm. you know, the worship service 
is is a somewhat unique kind of phenomenon and um you know try not to get in trouble here but um you know i don't know where to go with that other than yeah, to note no. it and um you know draw your own I, conclusion about what uh this this story is trying to say yeah um i mean so the other i i, I just wanted to point out that one of my favorite moments though is um when you get angel and connor up there singing together yeah and it's the only song that angel ever sings in mandy <laughs> right. but like yeah. jasmine yeah <laughs> yeah um so. and it is the same song every time right he only sang that's like the only song he ever sang yeah, yeah. that's funny um and okay so the the other aspect um you know, only increasing the bite of the satire here is uh, what we find out about Jasmine uh, selecting certain lucky people to go meet with her privately. Um, and nobody really knows what happens, but they all, of course, want to be chosen and, you know, long for, you know, the day that they're sort of called. Um, and it turns out that she's eating them and, you know, she tells Connor this like very sort of calmly and he kind of goes, oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I mean, again, if we had any illusions, which I don't think we did at this point, that, that you know, Jasmine might turn out to be good all along. I think they're being sort of steadily just, you know, taken apart and everything. Um, and like a not especially subtle way of saying like, yeah, this sort of cult of Jasmine is not only kind of scary and dangerous or whatever, but is actively devouring people you know people are kind of literally sure. being consumed by their devotion to her and they're kind of happy and again like maybe there is a comment you know that they're trying to make about sort of religious belief or whatever but the fact that people are happy to sort of offer up their lives and everything they are and sort of see their kind of being devoured by her as this special privilege um yeah well and there's i mean there's if you're if you're looking at this as a sort of cultish thing there's also sort of the underlying uh subtext i think of the underlying subtext subtext is by definition underlying but um the subtext of like being invited up to the cult leader's bedroom right like mm -hmm. from a sort of like sexual aspect to it which i feel like that that's like where it like kind of starts out with and then you like it's like oh wait no she's eating them mm -hmm. like it's not you know sexual it's you know uh carnivorous i don't like i almost said cannibalistic but she's not human so i don't know if that right. fits but right um yeah, that idea of like, oh, you know, would you like to come up to my room with me? And like, 
you know, you get like Wesley and Gunn being sort of jealous, like, oh, we never get invited to the room. And like, you don't even know if they have a clear idea of like what it is people are being invited to, right. or even that, like, if they've even noticed that like people don't return from that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it doesn't seem like they do notice, but then I guess that's the, that's part of the joke with Connor is that even when she tells them, it's not like he's like, like oh, care. like, yeah. well, like, I, 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 everything I thought I now like no he doesn't he's so deep right. in they're all so deep in that they don't question like what um, exactly that means right so right and then you get like the oh you know bring up the two blonde twins like you know what like before you know again like mm-hmm. what's really going on they're sort of again like it's not direct it's not you know, it's just sort of that implication of like, you know, right. oh, I noticed the two blonde twins downstairs. Can you bring those up? Right. You know, them, them up, not those. <laughs> you know, um, and just kind of that. Again, like if this is a cult and she's the leader, like it wouldn't be the first cult that sort of had, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, free relations with you know, between the, the leader and its, and its members. Right. Um, yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And even I think when you do find out it's literally they're being eaten, I don't think that undoes the subtextual side of it. Um, no, no, not at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. And in some ways it kind of enhances it because you know, if she's eating them and destroying them, like you have all this stuff about like her literally, you know, destroying their lives and, and consuming them, you know, like absorbing like that, you know, their, their entire sort of for the privilege of going to her bedroom, um, they're sort of literally giving up everything that they are and that they have. And she's sort of taking, advantage of that um and you know i i presume it has something to do with like energy you know does like does is this her food like does she need like a, a supply of you know people to live or does yeah. this have something to do with her kind of magic healing that she needs a certain kind of sustenance or whatever like and maybe we'll find out more about it but yeah i mean i think i think the use of the word eat like implies that like that it is i i mean i I take it i don't honestly remember like if we get more specifics about how the eating works per se um I do sort of take it as like a bit of both, right? That it's, there is a certain level of like sustenance she needs to sort of keep up the illusion. Mm-hmm. Um, and also a certain, like if she's injured or, you know, shot like she is here, that like she needs it even more to like heal or, you know, maintain yeah what she's got so yeah that's kind of how i take it um but again i'm not 100 percent sure what 
else we get later. So mm -hmm. we might just have to see if that pans out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Anything else about Jasmine in the situation before we move on to Fred? No, no. I think that's good. Okay. Um, so Fred's kind of a badass, as we said in our title, um, which we... No secret. We, we, uh, I think we knew that to a certain extent, um, but... She's never been entirely on her own. Well, she has. I mean, and we talked about this. She was on her own when we first met her. Um, sure. But since she's come back, and I think came back in a slightly damaged and traumatized state, which is pretty natural. I'm not blaming her for that. Um, you know, yeah. maybe there is a sense that out of just the terror of what she'd been through, she kind of not reverted back, but like became more one of the group and kind of was happy to be a supporting member of the group. Like even mm -hmm. though she'd been living on her own and taking care of herself all this time, she didn't come back and want to assert herself as any type of leader. Um, she's been sort of eager to be the one who does the background research and, right. um, you know, be the brains of the operation, but not the one, not the champion, not the one leading the charge and really saving the day, really. Um, mm -hmm. um, but, like, I think it, it, like, it is easy to forget that this isn't necessarily new to her. Like, Fred alone in a world full of people who might want to hunt her down or do her harm in some way is actually a scenario that she's experienced before. Um, yeah. And I kind of like that they don't even necessarily make a big thing of that. It's just sort of like, oh, she's just smart and off on her own and right. taking care of it. And she's like tricking them with, you know, fake jackets and, you know, hiding in, you know, the sewers and, and kind of still doing the research, you know, trying to gather books that can help her figure out the nature of the spell and how to break it. And, um, you know, all this kind of stuff is like, Again, things that we knew about Fred, but kind of demonstrating it and, and her kind of having to prove it to herself. Um, you know, at the end, she doesn't even think, even after all this, she says to Angel that I'm not like you and I'm not a champion and I can't do this kind of thing. And he's like, well, that's clearly not true. Um, right. Right. You are doing it, right. in fact. Right. <laughs> right. Um yeah, no, I definitely think, like, I I agree, it is subtle, like, they don't draw, like, a lot of attention to it, but, like, you can totally see, like, this type of thing, you know, these are, like, the same skills that she used in Pylea to, you know, 
escape and remain hidden and like all of that kind of thing. It's, um, you know, just sort of applying it to a different landscape and different enemies kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I agree with all that, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I kind of mentioned how she does go to the magic bullet and, and which is a sort of conspiracy theory bookstore i guess like specializing in like i, I would say like paranormal bookstore and, yeah. that that definitely has like a, cons- a, a a large you know uh collection of conspiracy theory books it's a large probably. a large section um, um so i would yeah so if you've ever been to um there's a bookstore in providence um i forget the name of it that like you know is basically like specializes in sort of the H.P. Lovecraft type of uh, stuff, which you know, not that surprising um, given the area and and that kind of stuff. And like yeah, I would I would equate it to that sort of uh, thing where it's like they've got a lot of like. H.P. Lovecraft and weird fiction, but not like solely that. Like they've got other, um, you know, genres that are maybe sort of adjacent, but aren't maybe quite within the same realm. So I, I like this is not I like this is a different bookstore than like we've seen Angel go to in the past. And that right? took me like, a second to try to figure out if it and, and I, you know, to to confirm for sure, like this is a different one. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't think this is like, I don't think we're meant to see this as like an occult bookstore per se, but it definitely has books that maybe aren't like in the mainstream, you know, Barnes and Noble Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, Right. And even if it's not magical occult, it, 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 it skews toward, again, more of those kind of. Like maybe Mundane like alternative history. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And and things that even, you know, I mean, we people who would say like, oh, you know, Angel with its demons and, you know, kind of multiverses and all that is sort of non-realistic. But like, yet people really do believe, not just in like, I mean, by comparison, the JFK assassination is kind of pretty a pretty common belief you know like or the you know the conspiracy surrounding sure. that like the the stuff that the bookseller kind of hints at about you know government mind control and um you know kind of manipulating you through the media mm-hmm. or through technology or you know whatever is is certainly a thing that people in our own primary world would find compelling. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, that's cause it's all true, but um, yeah, no, <laughs> but like uh, there's, there's a fine line between the paranormal store that specializes in kind of ghosts and UFOs and like the conspiracy theory bookstore that talks about like the government, you know, conspiracy to sort of control 
you know, control your thoughts and everything. Um, mm. Not saying that there's no differences, but it's like, it's somewhere along a continuum, maybe. Um, <laughs> sure. And yeah, and so like this guy is kind of funny in that he hasn't lost his beliefs. He just doesn't care about them anymore. Like he still right. believes in the conspiracy, which is funny because there is one. It's just not the one that he thinks there is. Um, sure. He's just been freed of the burden of worrying about it. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, it's like, it was right. So the subtitle could be like how I learned to stop worrying and love Jasmine. Right? Sure. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, so fluids. actually, so what's that? I'm sorry. I said fluids. This is my, oh. some, my, uh, Dr. Strangelove reference, but gotcha. this is how uh, they control you. So actually you, you know that I just, um, for the first time read a wrinkle in time. And so it's hard. It was hard for me to not see a similarity uh, between sort of the Jasminites, which I don't know if that's what anyone else calls them, but I'm kind of calling them that. Mm -hmm. um, and like the um, Camazots, is that mm -hmm. the name of the planet? Um, where like the big red brain it thing, like that's that's the whole that's the whole thing that it wants, right? Like, it's like for people to just rely on it to, you know, let them, let it sort of decide what they should do and how they should act and, mm -hmm. you know, go with sort of the pulsing flow. So it, it definitely had like a very similar sort of feel of that yeah. to me. Yeah. Of like. Yeah. And a, and a contentment like, that, that requires that, a certain amount of brainwashing. Yeah. yeah, and it's not that like, like with the bookstore proprietor, like it's not that he's he doesn't believe these things anymore. It's just he doesn't have to worry about them anymore. It's not within the realm of things he needs to be concerned with because someone else is taking care of it for him. Mm -hmm. um, now, I think there's differences, obviously, between the between A Wrinkle in Time, the book, and you know what's going on here and we don't need to get into that level of detail, but um, yeah. that sort of reminded me anyway of, of that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, yep. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's, you know, continued with Fred and then subsequently with the others as we'll get into where in some ways he's not wrong in that, like he is happier in the sense that like, He's not worrying about anything. And in that sense, the lack of worry and anxiety, like, is Fred happy? I don't think so. Like, she's the only one, the only one with free thoughts. And in a way, that makes mm. her unhappy. So sure. it's like, you can see the... I Which think every, you can see everyone the, who takes yeah. Philosophy 101 learns, like, right away, right? Sure, like, yeah. <laughs> Sure. Um, <laughs> Having more knowledge doesn't necessarily make you happy. Make you happier. Um, 
you know, I think, yeah, like if, if that's kind of philosophy 101, it's, I think, makes sense on the page. But then when you've been in that situation in life, I think it hits home a little bit more closely of there's definitely times where you learn things that you were happier before you knew it. Um, mm. But I think like I think most people agree once you learn something that it's better to know. Um, sure. Right. That doesn't mean that there aren't other redeeming qualities of sort of free will and knowledge and all of that. Well, and that if we kind of, take as a given that free will is a thing worth having, then a certain amount of pain and anxiety comes along with that. Like that's the price you're going to pay for your independent thought is Hmm. you have to make your own decisions and you're not always going to know what to do. And sometimes you're going to choose wrong and the only way to avoid that is to just sort of give up and have somebody else make your decisions for you. Um, right. Which might be easier, but is not freedom. Um, so, yeah, like, so he's kind of aware of the fact that he's potentially being influenced. And yet he's sort of enjoying the benefits of it, too. Right. Um, and well, we were kind of, it, it, we were also talking before we started about like the phenomenon, which can be applied in many different arenas of how we tend to agree with, was there a term you used for it where you tend to agree with things that already sort of confirm your beliefs, um, or your worldview? Like if you're presented with arguments sure. or options, like human natures that we tend to kind of gravitate towards the ones that bolster what we already believe. Um, And I think that's kind of part of like what's going on with Ted here of like, in a way he's kind of happy to have his beliefs confirmed and that, that unburdens him a little bit. Like even if he still believes that there are government conspiracies, the fact that like, he is being, there is a conspiracy going on. He is being mind controlled. It doesn't even really matter that that's happening. It's more just like the simple fact of it gives him a certain kind of peace. Like he's sort of happy to, you know, find out that he's right. And that kind of, even though that means he's being mind controlled, it's sort of like, oh, well, I'm not worried about it. So there's that. Yeah, I mean, I get the sense that it's more like he just doesn't have any control over what he's able to be worried about at this point. Like, I don't, I don't think that it's so much that like there's like a confirmation bias or anything going on with him. I think it's more just like part of Jasmine's magic is that like he can't be worried about it and like he can sort of objectively say like yeah i i still believe those things but i just don't like give them any time or thought 
And like, I think that's just like the way it is. Like, I don't think, I don't think it's like a choice or a decision that he has. If that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I guess I agree that that's literally true. Like on the kind of literal narrative surface of the story, um, you know, but I, I guess maybe a little more symbolically or abstractly or whatever, it reminds me of that conversation that we were having. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, sure. it, within the narrative of the story, like, yes, he's under a spell. Um, and so right. none of them have any real choice or control over what's going on. Um, I mean, I guess the only other thing with him is I didn't notice, obviously, until the second time that, like, you know, there's a little Chekhov's gun in uh, this episode that he takes out of the drawer when he, mm. um, when he's going for the book, which, um, you know, obviously it wasn't until the second viewing that I kind of really, you know, that really jumped out to me. Um, right. You, re you realize that that's the gun that Fred uses. Yeah. And that she's sort of getting an idea at a certain point, like where she can get access to a gun and how she might use that. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, her kind of formulating, laying her trap and formulating her plan a little bit earlier in the episode. Um, yeah. Well, cause you almost get the sense of it being a red herring when you first see it. Cause it's like, he takes it out of the drawer, but it's only to, like, get at the book underneath it. Mm -hmm. It's not because, like, he's taking it out to use it right. or anything. Right. And so you get sort of drawn into the sense of, like, oh, they were just, like, you like you think that it's just a gag that they were, like, trying to get you to think that, like, oh, he's going to shoot her. And then he doesn't. And you kind of have a laugh and then forget about it. And then it. you like, forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um, yeah, which I think is the intent by the way that it's done of kind of surprising you with it and then kind of tossing it aside. Um, I'm not sure quite what to make of the little episode of her in the cave with the demon. Um who is also Mickey to say another Seinfeld connection here. Um, I had to, I had to look him up. Um, uh, Kramer's, Kramer's oh, friend Mickey. Oh, okay. But I did I kind did of, I did kind that. of recognize the voice. So I had to go and, I had to go and look him up. I did, I did not pick up on that. So that's interesting, huh? Um, um but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I guess we learn sort of about this demon jihad as he as he names it, the, so, which we kind of knew already. But I guess we're getting a little more information about Jasmine sort of crusading, I guess, against like to rid, you know, the L.A. and then presumably the world of demons and that they're kind of driven mm -hmm. to live these, you know, formerly prosperous demons are driven to live in exile as fugitives in kind of whatever 
cave and back sure. alley they can sort of scrape together. Um, yeah. So, okay. I, I do actually like this episode quite a bit mm-hmm. um, because of, you know, it gives sort of Fred some stuff that we don't normally see her, you know, getting and that kind of thing. I do have to say, I feel like there are a few narrative sort of problems with it. Mm-hmm. Um, both in, I think there's both places where they spend too much time. And then there's places where like, they don't spend quite enough time. Yeah. Um, the The whole like, side thing with the demon in the cave, I feel like is definitely a place where they spend too much time mm-hmm. sort of developing something that yeah, you could have done in, in like half the time or less. Um, so yeah, so I'll just, I'll throw that out there. I don't know if you agree or not, but. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I just think... kind of didn't really see the, the, the purpose of it as a, as a, like a, the narrative point of that whole kind of exchange. Yeah. Um, especially because I, 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 mean, I guess it, it it's telling us kind of what we already know in the sense that she is, actively using Angel's crew to rid, you know, wipe out all the demons sort of in proximity. And and presumably others at this point too, right? Like cuz Yeah, Angel's however far really her, taking care yeah. of the yeah. hotel at this point. Um Right, like and and we don't quite know exactly how far her influence has started to expand yet. Right. Um, so, so I think that's, um, I mean, I think that's part of it. Yeah. Just reinforcing that. I think they take way too long to do that. Like, cause they, they have like two full scenes with yeah. them. Right. Like, and it's like, okay. Like, yeah, it just seems like it's going to go somewhere that it, that it doesn't. Yeah. Um, um, which is fine. Where, where would you say they should have spent more time. I'm curious what so, you think is underdeveloped. I, I think the I think the problem with that is that then when they jump and put her back at the magic bullet shop, mm-hmm. it's kind of jarring. Like, there's literally a leap in like, oh, wait, why is she here again? And yeah. I mean, you figure it out. But like, I feel like the way that Fred is with her character and the analytical nature, it would have been nice to sort of see her working that out more rather than just going like from killing the demon directly to like, yeah, I'm at the magic bullet and summoning Jasmine. Yeah. Like, so I, I agree that there's probably a scene missing there. Um, Like not, I don't mean literally on the cutting room floor. Maybe they just never wrote it, but like, there should be a scene there. Um, right. The only part of it that I wouldn't change is um, I kind of like that you don't know what her plan is and that you're sort of allowed to figure it out as it happens. Because um, I think it, it, you know, I mean, it's, it's I don't a- know that I'm, I don't know that like, so when I say like working it through, like this is like, Like you already kind of figured it out without having seen this 
episode, like you figured out last episode that it probably had something to do with the blood. Mm -hmm. And I tried to be a little bit coy and was, didn't really maybe do a great job of it, but like, like, I feel like that piece of it, like, Oh, it's her blood without necessarily knowing, like, how is she going to use it? You know, like with shooting through Jasmine and hitting angel and like that kind of thing. Like, I don't think we needed like an exposition of like, okay, my plan is to lure everyone to the shop and like, but just more of like that, like, Oh, it must be the blood. Like that kind of realization I think is where I would have liked to seen her more like analytical and like pointing that out. See, I almost wonder if they could go the other direction and I think it's sort of hinted, but play up the kind of misdirect of, is she going there more as a kind of like desperate attempts that ultimately could be a suicide mission of, well, like, I don't know what to do. And if, you know, she's looking for me anyway. So if I go here, I can get this gun and maybe I can kill her. And, and the kind of fake out being, she actually does have a better plan than that. Um, it's just that you don't know what it is and you're sort of led to believe that she's just desperate enough to risk her life for a chance, which she ultimately is. Like, this plan could really backfire. I mean, Angel holds a gun to her head, so she's certainly willing to risk herself in, like, you know, in her goal and everything. Um, but like, yeah, you I know, anyway, I don't necessarily want to spend too much time on like what we could or should have done. And, and maybe that's, maybe I shouldn't have gone off of that. I, that to the, the transition from demon cave to standing in front of the magic bullet. I keep wanting to say the magic box, the magic bullet, <laughs> um, doesn't, it, it's, it feels too jarring to me. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's all I meant. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I see feel what you like mean. they could have spent more time actually showing her sort of working it out exactly what she worked out, exactly like what they showed. Like we could probably go back and forth for hours on like no, but what the I best think... thing would have been. But I, I, I feel like there's there's like a step missing there. They just like took way too big of a leap from one to the next. And and I would have liked to have seen something else in there. Well, and I think the, to bridge that. the point is more that whatever they could have done there, they could have, um, I mean, her character's already pretty, you know, heroic in this episode anyway, but I think they could have pushed it even further, um, you know, and, and by like maybe showing some more of her process there, um, it could have had a little bit more weight to exactly how kind of smart but also how risky this sort of plan is um but anyway i mean yeah i don't i don't i don't want to get i don't want to talk too long about like what could or should have been my only point was to say like i feel like there are some pacing issues those were the the too long with the demon and not long enough kind of working through her realization yeah you know in in favor of 
yes, there's sort of, I mean, okay, so there's like a surprise element there and that's fine. But like, I feel like it would have been a better story to kind of have her continue to like use her to, to just better show like the smarts as she's figuring it out. That's, mm-hmm. that's all I, I, I don't mean to go down like a whole road of like coulda, shoulda, woulda. No, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Um, so yeah. And I think we the what we do get is like again how risky the plan is. So like again, just kind of giving her props for her willingness to go all in on this, you know, kind of madcap sort of plan, which actually does end up working. Um, of you know, uh, just like uh, in the in the magic bullet theory, you know, um, using kind of one bullet to go through two people and everything, um, Mm -hmm. and mingling the blood and everything and getting angel on her side. Um, so it, it works out. So good for her. Um, yeah. And then I guess kind of wanted to kind of go through them one by one as they all sort of start to convert each other back. Um, and have that, like, you know, we talked about earlier, the kind of depression and disillusionment of wishing that they hadn't ever found this out in the first place. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, now that I kind of think about it, I'm not sure how much there is to kind of, delve into about like angels sort of reconversion experience or anything. Um. (laughs) Yeah. The one thing that I'll say is, well, so two things. So one, um, they're all depressed, (laughs) right? Like it's kind of funny, like that they all sort of get like depressed and whatever, but um one sort of the the figuring out that like Cordy's blood will work is kind of interesting to me, right? Like that there's a, it it always goes back to blood, right? Like that's, that was Spike's Mm -hmm. thing. It's, it's always about blood somehow or other. Right. Um, So it's interesting to me that Cordy, Cordy's blood works. And I don't, we don't really get a clear uh, explanation as to why, which is fine. Um, but I just yeah. I, I don't know I think that that's kind of an interesting way to take things I mean I guess it kind of makes sense in a like Jasmine in some way did come from her and so there's some sort of blood there was some blood sure. mingling of some kind um, and and there's also the magical element of that she was a higher power so maybe there's something going on there too and sure. part demon and like like, so I think there's some, I think there's enough there to, to not be, like, skeptical of, like, oh, no, that wouldn't work, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, no. You know, I, I think that's all works fine. But um, the other thing is, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure how well this worked. Because when they, 
when they do like the like apparently they cut Lauren's wrist right and put Cordy's blood on it and so that's how he saw or whatever. Um, one, I'm not clear why they needed to do that to like put it into the bloodstream when like presumably with Fred it was just like through contact through hand contact. Right. I mean Angel gets it into the bloodstream because of the bullet and whatever, but like right, yeah, I like that doesn't seem like. Like, is it necessary to, like, slice these people open in order to... Right, and Fred does you know? say something about it has to mingle with ours, which it's not clear when or how it ever does that with her. Um, right, it's, it just seemed to be, like, skin contact, not, not like, actual, right. you know, mm-hmm. body fluid contact. So, anyway, so, like, okay, fine. But then the other thing that kind of bugs me about how they do this is both Fred and Angel actually have to see Jasmine before they have the realization mm. about who she really is. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case with Lauren Gunn mm. or Wesley. And I'm not clear what Connor believes at the end there. Yeah. Like, so that's going to be like my final question to you. Cause I know we're coming up kind of mm-hmm. on the last few minutes here, but like, do you think Connor, like, do you think it works with him? Like, do you think he's, like, is this, like, he's the bookstore owner and, like, he knows the truth, but he doesn't care about it? Um. Or is this a, like, because he's, like, the other parent, like, does Cordy's blood not work? Like, just curious, like, what's your yeah, hot no, take I, on the whole thing? My hot take. I... I mean, I think it. I, I'm I'm ready to be proved wrong in either case because I think it's intentionally sort of that's the question at the end is how. I mean, Lauren jokes about being the the Judas of the group, but that's clearly Connor. You know, like in this instance, he's. Um, they are all kind of returning to their real beliefs or their real understanding of how the world is and it's connor who's going against the grain um i mean my kind of it it could be that he's sort of immune in some way i guess um my gut instinct is that this was more of a choice that like even if he was sort of restored with kind of true sight that he's choosing to believe that that is the spell and that they all must be wrong about Jasmine. And so he calls Jasmine back to like confirm that like, Oh yeah. Like she's the real deal. Um, sure. And it kind of cracks me up that it's like, of course it's Connor. Like, you know, the writers are really not going out of their way to try to redeem this character are they um it just I seems mean, like yeah at every opportunity to make him the weasel they they take it um even by now where they surely know that he has turned into a somewhat weasley character and probably probably have a good idea that the audience may not be really on his side so much um mm-hmm. it's interesting to me that they keep leaning into the kind of weaker aspects of the character, you know? Sure. Like it's not, 
it's not Angel in the end that it doesn't work for, or it's not even Wesley, you know, or, you know, who has betrayed the group or, you know, or Gunner, whoever. It's like, of course, it's going to be Connor who um, betrays them in some way, whether intentionally or not. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess that was my first instinct was like, this is just another classic Connor screw up. Um, but... But maybe there's something more like, I could definitely see it being like that there's something, a, a magical reason why he, you know, why mm -hmm. it doesn't work on him for some reason. Sure. Well, we'll have to find out next week, I guess. If we, if we do find out at all, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Well, unless you had any other final thoughts, I think we can move on to Doctor Who. Um, yeah, no. I think I think we're all good. So extremists. Um Yeah, I I didn't really remember this episode and like after watching it again, it's like, well, like clearly I should have cuz like it's basically kind of the middle part of, of a sort of mini arc mm -hmm. here. Right. So like, um, I mean, I did remember parts as I was watching it like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I remember this happening and yeah. that kind of thing. Um, but yeah. yeah, no, it's a interesting one for the structure. Mm -hmm. Um, not only for the structure, but like, but definitely kind of getting the flashback, but then also like the main story is kind of a flashback, but like, mm -hmm. it's, it's sort of a weird, I was, I was thinking about this from like a diegetic perspective because you have the flashbacks sort of in the beginning and then like throughout, and then there's like, at the end well before the, like the very end right um but then there's also like in a in a sense the entire episode is like what the doctor sees in his glasses right, right. like what has been sent to him um from like the how how do we distinguish from the uh projected doctor i guess right um the doctor in the projected world like sends the doctor doctor mm -hmm. the real doctor uh this file that has like you know the story from this like other world and all of that yeah so i think it there's some interesting like layer work going on there um Mm -hmm. and not that I think that like Moffat necessarily even thought through like where the flashbacks work in there but is it are these like meant to be like literal flashbacks of like things the doctor is thinking about as he's like watching these this like story in his glasses mm -hmm. kind of thing like 
or is it just kind of like is it less like structurally sound and and it's just like things that are like sort of inserted here for like the viewer's edification it's not like necessarily meant to be like a consistent frame or something yeah no um, that's a good question and and i would be like this would be a different project but it would be interesting to kind of study like the scene leading up to each flashback to see if there are connections to be made between are there certain like turns of phrase or um aspects of the story that are triggering specific memories um and is the doctor being triggered triggered um yeah i i don't i don't know you'd have to kind of go through it you know yeah. beat by beat that way but that would be an interesting thing to look at so i want to start with the flashback stuff um i don't i mean i don't think in aggregate i don't think it's that long to sort of go through so we can we can kind of go through it real quick i mm -hmm. think um but yeah it's the story of the vault and what's in the vault mm -hmm. you know what's in the vault <laughs> um and how the occupant came to be there um the occupant of course being missy um i mean you do get some kind of fun like when you first when they're first like talking about execution and all of that and you're thinking like oh they're gonna execute the doctor mm -hmm. and then of course it turns out that he's not being executed but is in fact the executioner mm -hmm. um of course uh and the person to be executed is missy mm -hmm. um So, I, like, I mean, there's some back and forth there, but basically, uh, definitely some, like, appeals to the doctor's mercy and uh, their status as friends, which is, like, yeah, not that, like, it's a first time that that's been brought up, but, like, seems like any time that that's come up before, it's... definitely seems more one-sided um as to like who considers who a friend right mm -hmm. and so um especially when you're thinking of like the master rather than missy per se but i mean i know it's the same person but like yeah no that that's kind of what i was starting to think was i think that was more true with the master but i think the 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 switch to trying to kind of reciprocate those feelings of friendship seems like more mm -hmm. of a Missy thing. Um, yeah. Like it, it, you know, the master definitely wanted, didn't want the doctor's friendship. Um, whereas like Missy isn't necessarily less evil or less dangerous, but she seems to, fancy their relationship um being more kind of on the same page than the master used to um yeah i mean well and especially when she's on the chopping block well yes yes there's certainly <laughs> she seems some more willing to here. yeah to, 
and I mean, the idea that this is like, you know, a true death kind of thing, right? Like, like this is, you know, final. This isn't like a thing that you can regenerate out of, mm-hmm. um, presumably. Although that turns out not to be entirely true. Um, not that she regenerates out of it, but that it's not a true death, um, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah. Um, you get the arrival of Nardal, um, who kind of reminds the Doctor of River Song and um, literally has her dic- or her dictionary, her diary there, <laughs> not her dictionary. Um, you know, saying like. You know, goodness is not goodness that seeks advantage. Good is good in the final hour and the deepest pit without hope, without witness, without reward. Virtue is only virtue in extremis, um, which, you know, has resonance elsewhere in the episode, I suppose, mm-hmm. or just through the title. Um, and then saying, like, this is the thing that makes the doctor himself good, is that he, that this is his belief, you know, what what he believes and that... Um, you know, it's 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 the goodness without seeking advantage that really sets him apart from other people and mm-hmm. beings. Um, you know, so t- timely there in that you know it's at a time where he's about to execute someone, and so maybe this maybe like. This gives him an extra thought or two to to stay his hand. Um, mm-hmm. And it does, pretty much. Um, or at least, like, you know, he, he rewires it. I, we don't get a clear explanation, but, like, he rewires the device so that, like, maybe it only stops one of Missy's hearts or something. Like, right. we, we don't get the exact physiological... Uh, you know, result here, but it's uh, yeah enough at least that um, he sort of plays with what he agrees to do, right? His oath um, as he informs the the group. I'm not sure even what group this is that's executing Missy or, or what particular thing it is that she's being executed for, but um, what he tells them is that like he doesn't actually agree to kill her. He just agrees to watch over her body, you know, in the vault for the next thousand years. Mm-hmm. And so, um, as it turns out, it it's okay for him to do that apparently when she's still alive. And so, it only he only sort of knocks her out for a bit um, or, until they can, yeah. Or she's pretending. I mean, I guess like she kind of wakes up and is like, right. Leave me alone, I just died. Yeah. <laughs> and then playing like, dead. Um, um Yeah, and, yeah. and even if even if it's not technically okay for the doctor to just guard over her while she's alive, he kind of you know, points out the fact that he's been an executioner before and sends the you know, whoever they are, sends them running. Yeah. Um and and we've seen this trick before, right? Like 
Right. This He's done it with his... like the Daleks of like, you know, search your databanks right. look, and like see who I am. And, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's not the first time that we've gotten that, no, that kind no. of response from him. No. And, you know, yeah. Another one I just thought of is um, in the library of like, yeah, you have the access to the biggest library in the universe. Look me up. It's the same kind of. Right. It's the same kind Which, of thing. Which, of course, you have the callback to the library with you the do. diary. Yep. itself um and so. and another library in this episode um sure you know so the, the yeah so there's a yeah. lot of um river song imagery let's say um around that yeah and so i guess like the other thing to point out with the missy stuff too is um this uh, setting up this kind of teach me to be good aspect of their relationship. You know, now I think we can agree that it's opportunistic on Missy's part. She's not necessarily um, sincere, but, you know, uh, nevertheless, she asks, you know, like for lessons in like in niceness and kindness lessons from the doctor sure. um you know or or at least her sincerity is you know temporal like yeah you know it's tied to the moment yes um and you know. yeah and and so yeah he repeats rivers sort of his answer to the question is to quote rivers thing about it's only when nobody's watching and you have no advantage to gain that your goodness is sort of really put to the test. Um, but I guess it kind of leaves it open for like the rest of the season with Missy and everything, like to what extent is this, I, I think it's interesting in a, in a season where the doctor companion relationship is that of teacher and student. Um, you have another relationship here where at least on a very shallow level, you have, you know, somebody asking for tutorials of some kind. Um, right. You know, and yeah. like for as much as this might be the doctor's, you know, ethos of, you know, his virtue and extremists and everything, like it's not like he doesn't, ask for something in return or, or seek advantage at all, because by the end of the episode, he's asking her for her help, you know, against the invasion. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like, you kind of wonder, like, is part of his motivation also like, you know, Missy is good in a scrap. Like she might be like, yes, he doesn't want to play executioner. He doesn't want to kill her because they have this history, but also like, having her in the vault may come in handy. Um, you know. So, you yeah. know, even his sort of, his virtue isn't entirely, you know, I don't think the doctor's ever completely not calculating about, you know, the decisions that he's making. Sure. Well, yeah, no, I, I agree he's not calculating. Um, I mean, I'm sure in addition to, like, the friendship thing and all of that, there's also the, there's, you know, the loneliness factor of he's the only other Time Lord, well, Time Lady, Time Person left, mm -hmm. right? Like, 
would it would it so wouldn't i mean i guess time person isn't wholly incorrect but like time aristocrat like what's the what's the gender neutral version of that i don't know i don't know time time lord time lady time time folk time tom time monarch yeah time folk um yeah it's too folksy yeah i don't know um i don't know we'll have to i don't know if there's a if there is a collective term for that we'd have to figure that out time nobility it seems that's too clunky though anyway um we can settle that one at a different time uh right so yeah i agree like the whole like like there are definitely more it's definitely more than just you're my friend and i don't want you to die like i think that is part of it but it's there's yeah maybe you know maybe missy could be useful at some point in the future um and maybe so he my thinks question, he can change her. You know, who knows? Like that that Well, which that, would increase her usefulness, in right? <laughs> yeah. I so my question is like like how long like how long has it been? Do we we don't find that out here, right? Like <laughs> probably like a couple out, months. <laughs> right, like yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's different precedents, right? Like, yeah. I don't think this is Rory factor of like, he's been watching her vault like all through time and doing whatever it takes. Right. He's not. Um, he's not exactly the doctor who waited we, necessarily. Right. We've seen. <laughs> we've seen um, the the previous incarnation how patient he was uh-huh. when trying to wait uh-huh. um, for the stupid little boxes to open up and. Do whatever they were going to do. Sure. And, and that didn't work out too well. Sure. And um, and at the end of his regeneration, you know, guarding, you know, the crack in the wall and the, you know, the, sure. the planet of Christmas. Like I that, mean, was a, a, that was a long siege. That um, was it. Right. That was sort of the, the counter to like knowing how he acted with the little black boxes. Like sure. that becomes the feat of strength, you know, for his. <laughs> right. Um, final uh, act as that incarnation. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, like, I mean, we've already seen he's getting antsy. Like, well, literally every episode is him getting antsy and going off and doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I, this guess, one. I guess we do. <laughs> that's true. Um, or well, not really. Well, <laughs> sorry. I, yeah, stepping back. I mean, yeah. Technically, the entire episode, he's just sitting there watching something in his glasses. Yeah. So I guess, yeah. you know, until the end when he's sort of asking Missy for help. So I guess this is technically the only episode where he doesn't go off and do mm. something antsy. But, Interesting. Um, he's kind of living vicariously. Yeah, so. I think we're we're um, given to understand that this is what the real doctor would do if this situation, like the whole point of the exercise is that this is a thought experiment and right they they have actual little digital avatars who are behaving as they would under these circumstances i don't think we have any reason to think differently um right well let's talk through that because like the recorded stuff right like the stuff that he views in the glasses 
Um, I mean, first of all, like if we were if if we were going to be like hardcore diegeticists, then like the entire episode should really be like through his glasses, right? Mm. Um, not which isn't what we actually get because we get a lot of like other shots from third angles and and we follow around like Nardole and Bill. And, sure, uh, you mean like like a first person like. Like a video game almost, like first person shooter kind of like I mean, following his eye line around and yeah. Right. So like like how much of this Yeah, like definitely like a first person camera perspective. Um unless I mean you could argue that like maybe he was able to hack into, you know, like the rest of the program and so like feed it out to the living doctor, you know, in like more perspectives than just his own glasses. Like mm-hmm. maybe that's uh maybe there's a way to still sort of save it mm-hmm. as like, you know, a recording of the um computer simulation um somehow. But yeah, anyway. Yeah. But that's what it is. It turns out to be a they they call it like a projection, but it's a computer simulation and presumably one that has been run many times mm-hmm. by this alien monk race um, trying to figure out something. How to kill the doctor seems to be a big part of it. <laughs> um, is, is he the sticking? Is that he's probably the reason why there have been so many of these simulations, you know? Well, right. Um, they talk about killing him a lot of times. Right. Um, and yeah, like we don't, we're not entirely clear, I think, on what their, what their actual motivation is. It's, it's, I mean, kind of what we get is through the doctor, really. Um Which is really just uh uh uh, where where is it here so like he kind of puts it in this sort of mythological or even almost biblical term right of veritas tells of an evil demon that wants to conquer the world but to do it he needs to learn about it first so he creates a shadow world for him to practice conquering full of shadow people who think they're real um, and then, yeah, like basically, like so. This is the aliens now, right? The the aliens are trying to figure out exactly. They're running a bunch of computer simulations on how how the best way to, um, you know, conquer the earth. Yep. We don't really know why, though. No. Like we don't really know their motivation at this point. No, and I guess that's where this episode serves as. I don't think these are strictly multi-part stories. Like you have a different kind of concept for each episode, but um, that's the, the the one aspect where this one is kind of part one of a little mini arc, like you said. Um, I mean, in some ways it continues an arc in that we have the doctor's blindness sort of carrying over as a sort of extra layer. Um, but it's also sort of introducing 
um, the the monks um, and doesn't get into their motivation or even their plan other than that they are running simulations and right. presumably like the Cylons, they have a plan. Um, it's just, you know, we don't, we just need we to don't, trust that a plan exists. We only are privy to the plans that are sort of rejected, I guess. Like, I mean, even that, it's not like we get details about what simulations have tried and failed, but I think mm -hmm. the idea is sort of that they've been, testing out different scenarios and I, and I guess sort of checking off what does and doesn't work. Um, trying to sort sure. of risk assess their, you know, their, their invasion before they do it. Um, yeah. So one thing that literally didn't occur to me until we started recording this episode and putting these, you know, angel and, uh, Doctor Who back to back is the kind of funny connection of r religious commentary, um, very mm. different kinds, um, sure. you know, are, are presented and not necessarily. It's not the same commentary; like they're maybe saying different things or whatever. Um, but it is kind of interesting I, to have like this, you know, with the, the proliferation of. Um, clergymen of varying kinds, like of like priests and cardinals and popes and monks and you know and all these things, and then you add in kind of potentially more secular belief systems like physicists and government and all these sorts of things, and you know it. I, I guess throw that in a blender, and you do feel like. There's something, I guess, you know, that the episode is getting I, at here. I like the idea of simply whispering the words Harry Potter in the Vatican, you know, uh, uh, library is heretical. heretical. <laughs> Language, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, or, or at least, like, if not heretical, at least, you know. Blasphemous. Uh, <laughs> blasphemous, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at, at, at least blasphemous yes yeah um no that's funny yeah i think um you get little jibes like or not maybe jibes isn't the right word but like whoa sorry my cat <laughs> little, is freaking out <laughs> little things like um you know pope benedict having been you know the whatever ninth I think, right? Oh, Having yeah, yeah. been a woman, you know, right, and right. that kind of thing. Right. Um, which is like, not just like, what, but like, you know, I mean, even, even like priests aren't women, let alone the Pope, right? Like, right. or at least, you know, not nowadays. Um, apparently, maybe at one point they were. <laughs> we'll never know. Mm -hmm. Um well, yeah, there are there think, are legends of female popes, aren't there? Like, um, well, and it, I mean, there are. Well, and maybe I, there. I I I I don't know enough about Catholic history to maybe to go down that road. That's why, like, and when I, can, I I mean I say legend, like I mean that literally, like I don't know that it's verified history, but there there at least have been legendary rumors. So it, I think it's playing on that sort of 
surely a woman must have snuck in there at some point, even if she was like in living in disguise or something. Um, there, there's, there are legend like Pope Joan apparently was according to popular legend, a woman Pope who reigned uh, for a f handful of years during the middle ages. Now, you know, whether that's true, like the first attestation is like 500 years after right. she was supposed to have reigned. So like, right. That's why I'm saying yeah. their, their, their legends are not necessarily, yeah. you know, textual. Uh, but again, but... like, I'm just, I just mean to say like, I don't know enough about like when I said Catholic history, I don't, I, I wouldn't necessarily even saying like attested hit. Like, I just don't know. Like I wasn't brought up Catholic. I don't, I haven't studied anything really in, in sort of that tradition. So I, I just can't say myself, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, anyway, I just want to point out that there is precedent for that. Um, sure. And, and I think, I mean, and, and, and precedent for like, uh, a little bit of gender swapping in Doctor Who in general. That's um, what I was with historical say. figures yeah. and yeah. that kind of thing. Anyway, or and and or laying groundwork for potential or, future you know, flipping of genders. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, like all of that to say that, like, yes, there are definitely religious themes. I mean, you know, and then like maybe a little more solemnly or seriously um you know the idea of of suicide um as a cardinal sin and um this whole idea that there's something so bad that someone would choose suicide and eternal damnation over you know living and knowing the truth mm -hmm. um which goes back to um our conversation about like free will and knowing truth um with like fred and all of that is like maybe this is an instance where not knowing the truth and letting someone else you know decide your fate is better you know because otherwise everyone who like reads this veritas is like driven to kill themselves mm -hmm. um although i mean i guess the the counter argument is that if their you know if their world isn't real then the killing of themselves isn't really suicide and and it i think the doctor kind of frames it as an act of rebellion you know like this is you, you know it's the sabotage of you know if if the game isn't if the game is rigged then quit the game change the parameters of of what's possible. Sure. I, I agree. I'm just saying that as a religious theme in the, in the story, like going back to what you said originally of like, there's a lot of sort of these religious ideas um, sort of in here. Mm -hmm. Like I, I yeah. yes. Like in the story, like the doctor, right. He, well, I mean, he compares it to, you know, Mario deleting himself from the game because he's, sick of dying okay like yeah that's fine within the context like we can we can have that sort of existential debate of like are these computer generated sentient beings actually alive or not mm -hmm. and like do they have souls and all of that like we i don't necessarily want to go down that road but like <laughs> um yeah just just pointing out that this is like 
at least until like the others figure out like what the Veritas means and like you know the doctor sort of revelation like that there's this sort of like ghastliness to the act of committing suicide and and damning you know oneself to hell Mm -hmm. um you know based on this thing that's read that at least to that point like nobody else no one who's still alive knows what it says or means yeah um the other the other question i guess that i have though or I don't know if this is a flaw or not, but like I suppose one might look at it as such. Why would the alien monks like even have a document in there that describes like what the truth is? Mm. Like and I think this is true of like any like the world is a simulation kind of story, like the mm. Matrix and whatever. It's like why would they allow that sort of like confirmation to exist? Um, I don't know. Like I don't have a real answer to that question. So I, sure. I I'm just sort of going to let it hang. And if you have one, you're, you know, feel free to like expound, but I don't necessarily expect one um, if you don't. So that's, yeah. I mean, I don't know that I have thought of one in, in my watchings of it. Um, I don't know. I mean, is there, I I guess this doesn't answer the question of why they haven't removed it, but um, is there some suggestion that like, I don't necessarily think that it's like the monks left this lying around it sort of seems some, like something that was like generated from within the simulation, like maybe some, you know, mind or avatar within the scenario did sort of figure out what was going on somehow and write down the Veritas as like a document kind of saying that. And it sort of spread among all the different sort of players within the game. Um, like, I don't necessarily think that it's like the monks wrote this and then just like left it lying open for anybody no, to find I or something. No, I don't think, I, I didn't necessarily think that the monks wrote it either, but like, they're clearly around and like watching and like. Right. And that's the part of it. Presumably that, they yeah. could have like intervened to be like, yeah, we're not going to let this thing, you know, I mean, I, I, or maybe it's like. I suppose they could be like, okay, well, somebody wrote this thing. Let's see what happens next. Right, and see where it goes. So they just like, like in that particular, like I, maybe there were plenty of simulations where such a document didn't exist. And, you know, humanity met its destruction some other way. And so like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe this is just like a working out of all the different variables. And, and if so, that's fine, I guess. I just, right. it seems a little odd. Yeah, well, and they do try to stop it. Like, they do try to take it away from the doctor and everything. So it seems to be that certainly by this point, they've decided that they don't want him to read and confirm what is in the Veritas. So um, sure. I think that's that's the, the 
the plot hole aspect of it is why can't the monk sort of intervene more quickly mm -hmm. and sort of shut down this whole line of inquiry. Yep. But yeah, I don't know that there's a real good, um, I don't know that there's a real good answer to that. Cause this is one of those things where like you have kind of narrative convention sort of dictating certain things, but like, I kind of imagine that like if this were an actual like computer simulation, like probably the whole thing took about like 0.2 seconds or something like it just can kind of like, like, are we even really seeing things that are happening sure. in real time and how much control do the monks have? How can they get involved? To what extent can they interfere? They obviously can a bit or they try to. Why can't they just like, pause the scenario and interfere with it if they want to that's all a little hard to sort of wrap your mind around i think it's not very like well defined sure kind of like um have you, you you've seen the latest season of black mirror right mm -hmm. um kind of like the, the the dating app one where it's like you have like all these iterations of like you know the the different people dating each other and like it turns out it's like you know in the in the swipe of a finger right. like the calculation being made you know of like your percentage chance of you know these things happen. right but it, it like runs a hundred scenarios in in three seconds or something yeah 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 that's kind of what but then i think that does sort of make it a little tough to figure out what kind of narrative control the monks do or don't have um mm -hmm. and if they can or, influence or and get involved then why allow. don't they do yeah. a little bit more yeah right and um but then also like then why is this the focus one and is it just because this is the one wherein the doctor gets a message out like right. of the like billion other times that he fails to get a message out or doesn't even know that there's a message to get out. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, yeah. um, this happens to be the one aberration. And so that's why we're mm -hmm. seeing it. Um, yeah. Huh? I don't know. Anyway. So, I mean, we don't know that much about the monks. Like we get, again, like the little sort of parable Mm -hmm. Um, and we get, we sort of like see them trying to stop the doctor, you know, by like telling him he's not real and this and that, and, um, he doesn't buy it and is able to get the message out. But yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't have much to say about them at this point. So like, yeah. um, we just know that like, like there seems to be like, so the doctor gets us out and there's these monk creatures. So this is the first time this season where we have an enemy or evil entity sort of spanning episodes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, presumably. Yes. Like, because now the doctor knows about them and like that they've been doing this thing. And they're kind of like 
the silence, I guess, in this way a little bit, right? Like, mm-hmm. not in that, because, like, it's not like they're around, but they're, like, they've been messing with humanity for a while. Like, at least, like, at least enough to, like, get these simulations to the point where, like, the people are acting like they would potentially really act in the real world, right? Like, I mean, that's not, like, you don't just, like, create a simulation and then, like, hope that, like, all the people, like, are programmed properly. Like, I feel like that takes a fair amount of study and tweaking and that sort of thing. Like, so they must be around, like, watching sort of secretly or, Mm -hmm. you know, have some kind of reports and that kind of thing. So uh, we don't know the details around that. Um, Yeah, it is... um a very kind of an another sort of Moffity monster in that way of, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 one of these invasions that are based on some sort of psychological element or perception, um, I think tend to be the kind of big, you know, I guess classic Moffat monsters that you think of. Um, yeah, no, and that's a good point. I hadn't thought about the connection to the silence, but there is a similarity there of how it's a, a, a bit of a slow burn in terms of how they plan and execute mm-hmm. the invasion. And they're willing to sort mm-hmm. of, they're not just going to invade by brute force. They're going to do it covertly and sort of subtly and over long periods of time to sort of ensure it's, you know, effectiveness and everything right um yeah i i honestly i don't have much more about the simulated world i mean there's stuff with like bill and nardal but i don't i don't know how much to like say about it like we get some good interactions between them Mm -hmm. which i think are fine but i don't like i don't think from a plot perspective other like they they kind of discover before the doctor does that it's a simulation and then you get like nardal sticking his hand out and he sort of pixelates and disintegrates you know like into the program i guess um okay like that's fine and like like there's some you know explication about like what exactly is going on that you get through like the whole number thing, but mm-hmm. you kind of still have to wait for the doctor to like explain it fully. Right. Like mm-hmm. to kind of really get what's going on. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know that I have much there. Um, yeah, no, I, I kind of dis- I I was going to say, I kind of agree, not disagree. Um, and I feel like, um, I had kind of forgotten this, but um, it, my memories coming back about watching the season for the first time, um, you know, I'll be interested to kind of keep talking about this in the next episode because I feel like it's around this point where as much as I love Bill um, and, you know, and, and Pearl Mackey sort of, you know, portrayal, I guess, most importantly. Um, 
I think it is a little frustrating her lack of involvement in sort of being part of the solution to the, mm. you know, the various problems that they encounter. Um, it's not that she's not active and curious and working things out and asking questions. It's not that she's doing anything wrong per se. Um, and yeah. I definitely don't think it's anything with the performance. It just seems like, um, a trend is that the doctor is sort of figuring things out on his own a bit. Um, mm. And like the fact that, you know, here, and I feel like there's been a few epi- a few instances of this where she sort of is figuring it out alongside him and maybe coming to certain conclusions on her own or saying things that might make him think of something, but kind of he sort of, does figure everything out and sort of solve the the case at the end. Um, and here, like he, she doesn't even like make it all the way. Like she kind of just dissolves when she kind of, you know, has the realization that like Nardole of like, I'm not real. And you know, it's, it's me too. She kind of just disintegrates, um, you know, and it's like, all right, we're kind of getting into the middle point of the season starting to get ready for the companion to be a bit more involved than that, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And like, I don't want to, I do enjoy the stuff between her and Nardo. Like, I mean, that's where you get the, 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 the line that we chose for our title of the episode, right? Are you, you know, are you secretly a badass? Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like, I agree. Like, it's kind of. She kind of almost doesn't need to be there at all. Like, like. Or at least it's not specifically Bill. Like, um, you could almost have anyone in there, yeah. which I feel like shouldn't really be what you do with the companion. Like, there should be like things about the companion. Mm-hmm that make them useful and valuable because of like their unique and individuality, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't feel that that's true with Bill Mm -hmm. um, for the most part at this point. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, certainly not in, in this episode. I think that's a kind of weak, but maybe overall in the season so far. So. Um, Sure. Well, and I mean, we can continue. Like, I mean, if we're considering this going into the next episode, you know, as sort of a two-parter or or a multi-parter, you know, if it extends out further, um, you know, we can continue to sort of look at that and just see, like, does that continue to be the case? Or is it, like, as, as more stuff happens, does she become more involved? Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't... I, all that say, I don't really have much to say. <laughs> um, I do have one other bill-related thing, but it's not nec- it's not strictly related to the like Veritas computer simulation stuff. So I don't know if yeah, that's fine. Should bring it up now. Um, the only other thing, I guess, more from like her particular character kind of point of view, um, is the stuff we get with her on a date at the beginning. 
Um, which I think, like, there's some good stuff in there. I, you know, I think it's pretty funny that they're talking about, you know, being sort of accepting of themselves and not feeling guilt when, you know, the Pope bursts in and, you know, sort of freaks out at them in Italian is, um, is a pretty funny way to do like a buzzkill and everything. Um, but what interests me about it, and I don't, I, like, I don't know that I came to any conclusions through my first watch is, um, for all that Bill is very kind of forward thinking and, you know, groundbreaking for a companion and everything, um, it interests me that she isn't out to her foster mother, apparently. Um, you know, and you get like the sure. date who's sort of, I guess this is her first same sex date, it seems, um, and seems sort of mm. nervous about it. And yeah. Bill's very, seems very confident in kind of saying like, it's not pressured. We don't have to go at a particular pace and it's, you know, nothing like you don't need to feel guilty, all this stuff. But at the same time, I think we see that, you know, there must be some level of discomfort with herself because her foster mother doesn't know. Um, mm. And so I don't have any particular conclusions um, to draw from that. It just, and, it surprised me when it was sort of like, um, you know, Bill is the, the you know, going to be our first gay companion. And, and a lot of the conversation around her is like a kind of like, you know, taking like a, a kind of, pride aspect of that but um mm -hmm. that kind of goes against the grain of that to have her be still somewhat closeted at least to certain people in her life um and i don't know maybe that just makes it a little more layered like just because she knows who she is doesn't mean she's necessarily comfortable telling everybody i'm not sure what my conclusions are i just kind of wanted to point it out sure and i don't think I mean, we don't get a, a huge amount of interaction before now with her foster mom. And I mean, not even that there's a ton in this episode either. But, like, I don't think I would have necessarily drawn a conclusion one way or the other about whether her foster mom knew, right? Like, there's not, like, you could almost have the assumption, I think, that her foster mom does know. Mm -hmm. and that it's just not a thing you like it's just not a big deal right until this episode where it's like suddenly there's at least an assumption there you know uh that the foster mom is making that bill has a, a boy a man over rather than a woman Right. So yeah, I don't. I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't know that I have anything more to say. To that I don't. I hadn't really thought about it that way. So I would probably need to think a little bit more to like really, you know, really think about it. But yeah, I don't. I I think you're right. Like it. It's. It is interesting that they choose to have her not be out to her stepmom. And I, I almost wonder, like, 
not that I want it to be this way, but I almost wonder if like they really just did that for the gag of like, oh, do you have someone over? Oh, oh, it's a girl, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, like I hope it wasn't. Like I hope it was more deliberate and that there's more of a reason to like have her foster mom not know than just like to make a joke out of it. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that we get any more. Sure. Yeah. And at this point, I don't know that there are any other explanations offered. So I guess that's another thing too. you know, I don't necessarily remember to what extent that ever comes up again or is addressed. So I'm kind of, I'll try to keep an eye out for that in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we already kind of alluded to the ending here of the doctor asking for help so i don't i don't know that there's a much more to say about that other than just like he's sort of appealing back to missy's statement of friendship um and so basically yeah just kind of asking for her help you know uh if it comes down to it if you're all i've got left and i need your help you said you were my friend something's coming and I'm blind. How can I save them when I'm lost in the dark? Lost to the dark. So, yeah, he, I mean, he just got this message. He's, you know, reviewed what he learned about it. And now he's sort of soliciting or trying to recruit Missy to his side. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll find out where all that goes with the next uh, episode, but uh, yeah. yeah. Well, and speaking of not being out to your loved ones, he still hasn't told Bill that he's still blind. So that sort of left, um, uh, sure. you know, unresolved for their particular relationship for the next episode. This is true. All right. Well, on that note, I think uh I think we can we can break then. And so we've got uh, yeah, we've got the next episode there to to figure out what's going on with Doctor Who and then we've got another episode of Angel coming next week. So lots of lots of things to look forward to. Sounds good. See you then. <laughs>